Hello, everybody, and welcome to the return of the year that was. And right now we're going through 1997. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson, along with... Yeah, I think so. I don't know how it. Eh. I don't know how all this shit works. But we're gonna figure it out. I'm here with Nate Maxson. Hello, hello. And Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? He's the cash man. He's holding the money. Um, <laughs> we're all happy to be here. And basically what this show is if you haven't listened we're going through one calendar year of a year that's dumb we're going through (laughs) an entire calendar year of professional wrestling and right now we're going through 1997 and we've talked about a lot of shit but we've gotten to february 16th 1997 and what this is is the fatal four-way um, pay-per-view in your house. Um, Shawn Michaels was the champion, but he's um, given up his belt. He's no longer the champion. Um, he's smileless. He's, he's smileless. smileless. Yeah. Yes. He um, he lost his smile and he gave up his belt, and he doesn't want to have it anymore. So, the WWF at this time has decided to give us this, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> nobody, do you guys ever have that? Nobody, nobody, wants, nobody, wants, to, yeah, nobody wants to, nobody wants to fucking talk to you until you're doing something. Yeah, until you're doing yep. something and they're like, yep. oh, what are you doing? It's like, something, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> And then you're the asshole. But anyway, this pay-per-view was on um, April 16th, 1997. The opening recap um, shows all the feuds, but also stresses the importance of the fact that HBK is the greatest, most perfect champion of all time. We all love him. He's great. Although, although in reality, kind of a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. So they do this, but then they're like, but uh, he's hurt, so we're going to have these four guys. Right. The now, CS- I've always had a problem with the Fatal 4 pay-per-view. And hear me out here. Steve Austin got eliminated by Bret Hart. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He got back in the ring, eliminated the Undertaker invader, Red Hart dumped Diesel, the fake Diesel, and then he dumped Red Hart. Shouldn't the fake Diesel have had a part in Fatal Four Way and not Austin? I, mean, I think I if know. you were his manager, I think if you were his manager, you could make that case. Right. Uh, this is a Fatal Four Way, buddy, not the Fantastic Five. <laughs> I'm saying Austin should have had a spot in that match. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, Our announced team for this pay-per-view is Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, which we can all say is not necessarily 
I'm not going to say they're my favorite announced team ever, but they're the greatest announced team ever. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, the opening match of In Your House Fatal 4-Way is Mark Merrow with Sable versus Leaf Cassidy. Ooh. And you would think, on paper, that sounds like it wouldn't be very good, but if I remember correctly, this actually was a pretty decent match. It was, it was, it was, it was good. And both guys, they <sighs> did a decent job in the match and opened the show really good. I guess I could really show more tenacity and uh, athleticism than I'd ever seen him show as a part of the new rockers. You know what I mean? Cassidy, Cassidy, and, this match. Cassidy and his tenacity. I like it. <laughs> but, one thing I will say, I want to rescind what I said. I said I, it came out wrong. I said you wouldn't think this would be a very good match. That's not what I meant. Uh, you wouldn't think this would be a pay per view quality match, right? Yeah, no, you, right. You, you misspoke, and that's okay. But uh, Al Snow, like if if anybody's listening to this, they know who Leaf Cassidy is. Is Al Snow? Right. Al Snow, um. Led Mark Marrow to a really good match. Yep. I enjoyed it. And um, this was the um, time where they were trying to like have Sable show more aggression at ringside. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions I want to have for you guys is do you think <coughs> that was a good idea or Sable should have just been left like in the Miss Elizabeth role? Not when she got to WWE, not when she got to WCW because she got more physical in WCW, but do you think they should have just kept Sable as eye candy? Yeah. Yeah. I think that she, she, Work. What I want to say, I am not a big Sable fan, but for the first six months that she was there with her and Mark doing that act, it was, you know, they were obviously trying to recreate Savage and Elizabeth in a way. And, and that's fine. You know, it's 1996. You're doing what you got to do with the talent that you have. And that was probably the best either one of them ever were when they were in that role together. So, yes, I, to answer your question in long form, yes, I think that she should remain just the babyface uh, valet, kind of silent I, at ringside. I I agree with Nate because it kind of created a monster. Her head got a little too big for her shoes there. You know, she yeah. felt like she was the best thing going, and when she was cutting those promos as a heel, she believed what she was saying. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, and was Vince created ex- a monster without realizing. And she was excruciatingly annoying as a heel, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not in a good way. Not in like, yeah, she's a good heel. Not that way. No. No. It made, it killed Mark Merrill's career because she outshined him. Uh, and then it killed her career because she turned a heel and was, like they said, the worst heel possible. You know, so... They should have left her the way she was. I mean, she could have spoken. She could have still been, you know, a, a prominent figure at ringside. 
but that whole making her the face of the, you know, trying to make her the face of the company, bad move. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next question I have is, what do you think of the WWF blimp? <laughs> it's flown by Tiger Jackson. Yes. That WWF blimp, they kept showing that all throughout the fucking yep. interview. Yep. <laughs> they were all about that blimp. Could you imagine sitting there trying to watch a fucking show? That fucking blimp keeps bumping you in the fucking head. You're like, God damn. How no one popped it is beyond me. You're up in the cheap sheet, cheap seats and it's just in your way. Yeah. Right. Somebody somebody bo- somebody booped the goddamn blimp. I can't see the ring. <laughs> give me that give me that pen we brought to get autographs with pop. <laughs> so Mark Marrow wins this match with the Wild Thing, which is his um um what do you call it? Double jump. Shooting star right? press, basically. Oh, shooting star press, okay. Yeah, so Mero beats Sleeve Cassidy, and then the Honky Tonk Man comes out and he's dancing. He's getting down, and um, they recap as Honky Tonk. The reason they have Honky Tonk Man come out and dance is that gives them a reason to once again show Shawn Michaels giving up the WWF title and telling us how great of a champion he is. The one thing I always found odd about that interview, uh, when Sean did that interview, it wasn't because he lost his smile. It wasn't because of the BS that he was pulling, that he was injured. It was the whole, so here's your belt, you know, and he just forcefully handed it to Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> like if somebody was forcing him to do this, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's yeah. the one that chose. He didn't want to drop it to bread. He didn't want to get, you know, play ball again. So he chose to give it up. So for him to be angry about having to give it up, it's your own fault, you know. Mm-hmm. But as selfish as he was at the time, he didn't see it that way. No, he was too drugged up to see it that way. You could tell him in the in the in the in the day that he did that promo, and then a few months later when he comes back and he starts saying, "Well, maybe it's not that bad of a knee injury." and maybe he can come back, it's a different person because I think he might have went to rehab or weaned himself off a lot of the hard stuff he was on. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a totally different, it's night and day from the way he looks. So you could tell he was drugged out that night. So after that, they roll into a Sid, a Psycho Sid interview because Psycho Sid was supposed to be the person facing Shawn Michaels tonight for the WWF Championship. But since he's not, because Shawn lost his smile and gave up his belt, he gets to face whoever um, wins this fatal four-way tonight, tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, yes. And, and in this promo that Kevin Kelly is interviewing Sid, Sid says... A bunch of crazy shit. But then also says, Time ran out for Sean, and I'm really sad for him. That's weird. <laughs> it's yeah. weird, especially for that face, character. Face, <laughs> face was just it was weird. That's the only way you could put it. 
like, ah, I'm going to be whoever wins this. But then he's like, time ran out for for Sean, and I'm sad for him. It was just, eh, that's weird. Dude. Does he have on? Does he have on his awkwardly small baseball cap in this interview? No, no, because he would. He, you know what I'm talking about? Like he would wear yeah, those, those yeah. awkwardly small baseball caps. Yeah, no, he's in his Ooh. gear, which is weird too. It's like, why are you geared up, buddy? I understand <laughs> that. But after that, unless you guys have anything about um, compassionate, said no, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I will say I think he wasn't wearing the small baseball cap because it was not a softball day the next day. Maybe. So <laughs> he does leave that at home. Yes. The next match is a very much WWF house show match that just made it to the pay-per-view. Do you guys know what the match is? I do not. It no, is I, the I, Nation of Domination. Versus Flash Funk, Bart Gunn, and Goldust. Yeah. Yeah, now that you said it, I was like, yep, I remember that. Yeah, now (laughs) I remember it. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying this is very much a WWF, like... um, European tour match. European (laughs) tour, Nassau Coliseum, fucking goddamn house show match. Um, Everybody in the arena is like, where's Ahmed Johnson? Is he feuding with these guys? It's almost like they were looking at the run sheet and that show that match was supposed to be a dark match or something. And they're like, well, we have time to put it on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Right. Um, and we got we kind of talked about this on the last show that we recorded. Um, and I put it in my notes, but um, I put those in my notes way before we talked about that is... I don't care what fucking anybody says. Flash Funk is a fantastic fucking gimmick. I like Flash. Great. I know Archie, Archie, Archie disagreed with us, I think, last time. I, I didn't disagree because I hated the character. I hated how little they put behind it after its initial debut. You know, you have this guy debut at, at Survivor Series. He gets the big entrance. He's got the women with him. He has a decent showing in the eight-man tag that you put him in. And then for the rest of the next few weeks, if he's not being a jobber or enhancement talent, he's losing to a bigger name. So it's like, why did we do this then? It's too cold Scorpio. He's had a great career so far. Why are we shitting on him? Well, I loved the girls twerking with him. It was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, much better than the Funkadactyls. And, Good callback. Good callback, Archie. Yes. And um this is this match ends with the Nation of Domination winning, which As I, it should uh, be. Huh? As it should be. They're the yeah. real team. It was Farouk Crush and Sabio Vega, and they go mm-hmm. over. Nothing really happens in the match. That's what I'm saying. It's just it this felt like a house show match on a fucking pay per view. Yeah. Which honestly is pretty much every in your house until you get to the main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I am although I am a big fan of the in your house pay per views. Oh, maybe, be- oh, yeah. maybe because maybe because of that. Maybe because of that aspect of it. And it, it's it was kind of fun because like they'd be like 
two weeks from the pay-per-view, you'd have one match announced, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, and Henry Godwin's going to face Bam Bam Bigelow, and it's just like yeah, these random... Really <laughs> and it's really good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fun fucking show. I enjoy this. Like, I don't understand why they weren't more like, hey, did you like it in your house? Come out and watch our shows. Right. Um, but after this flash punk bark gun gold dust versus the nation of domination match, we get Doc Hendricks interviewing Steve Austin. Steve Austin gives Doc, Doc Hendricks some shit. And then we roll into a match that, um, at the time you didn't think much of, but if you look at it, in hindsight, you're like, God damn. These dudes fucking put asses in the seats. Um, it's Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Rocky Maivea. Mm-hmm. The beginning, I mean, obviously they had the match that Friday, Thursday, Thursday, Raw, Thursday. But yep. this is the uh, the beginning of, a, like you said, Aaron, Guys that put asses in seats. This is the beginning of one of the bigger rivalries of the late 90s in pro wrestling. And these people, at the time, they had no fucking idea what they were seeing. But this is like the guy that's going to run the company versus the (laughs) biggest movie star in the history of ever. Right. Right. (laughs) In a fucking 5,000-seat arena working... And um, during the match, Lawler on commentary says that, well, Jim Ross is putting over the fact that Rock, he's at Rock right now, but Rocky Maivea is the son of Rocky Johnson. And Lawler says it doesn't matter because his parents can't afford cable. <laughs> so they're not watching anyway. And then Jim Ross brings up that Rocky Maivea's grandfather is Peter Maivea. And Jerry Lawler says, well, he's looking up right now. And it's probably pretty hot where he's at. So he doesn't care. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Leave it to Lawler. He essentially says that the Rock's parents are poor and his grandfather is in hell. (laughs) Now... Now, slightly to back up Jerry Waller, if you watch Young Rock, you know that he wasn't that far off, that Rocky's parents were kind of on the low end as far as money goes until The Rock really made it in wrestling. So, yeah, maybe Jerry wasn't wrong about the first part. (laughs) But apparently Peter Maivet is burning in hell. No, I wouldn't agree with that. That's the assertion of Jerry the King Lawler. No, no. Samoans uh, don't go to hell. Where do they go? Heaven. Okay. All Samoans go Did to heaven. Also, I mean, that a, was that a, a Disney movie? All, All Samoans, Samoans go to heaven. Pixar. <laughs> Pixar. It was, it was the second uh, version of Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Moana. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got it. <laughs> Do you ever hear that? Do you guys, I've never seen Moana, which I never will. 
I don't have any reason to watch it. Archie, <laughs> you, probably, you got a granddaughter, so you've probably seen it. Yep. But have you ever seen Rock singing the when? Because he was a Moana, right? Yes, he was the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever see him singing that shit to his daughter? Yes. It's fantastic, actually. And she's just like, "Nah, that's not you. That's not you, right?" <laughs> Hold on, something happened with my computer. Can you guys still see me? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that was. Anyway, um, this match goes on, and Gold Dust comes out and distracts his, distracts Triple H, and this allows Rocky Maivia to get a belly to back suplex on the Rock. And he wins the match, and then after the match, um, China attacks. We don't yeah. know it's China, but at the time, a mystery woman attacks Marlena at ringside, and they pull her off. And this is basically the debut of China. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I know, she I know that the uh, shit out of Terry. Yeah. I know that um this, know that is, this isn't the ragdoll. This isn't the ragdoll. This is her just choking her a little bit. And the oh. the security gets her. She she gets ragdolled like an episode of Raw away. But this right. is just her initially reaching out and grabbing her. And Jim Ross is like, I'll get that woman. I think that's a woman. Get that woman away from her or whatever. But this is the debut of China. I know I've sorry I won't say it, or I won't elaborate too much on it. But I, I know I've said it on the show before. I am not. I am. I was never a fan of Hunter and Goldust. I don't know why. I like both guys, but I never thought. I didn't. I never thought they meshed well. No, after their first match, it was just the same match over and over again. It never went anywhere after that. And they drugged the feud out forever. <laughs> Goldust. Yeah. Gold Dust versus Triple H is the equivalent of the DDP Johnny B. Bad feud in WCW. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. <laughs> How many times have we seen this? And I know it off, it would still go back to them. You know what I mean? Like they, one week Gold Dust wouldn't be fighting Triple H, and there would Triple H would be inside. But then on Gold Dust would always come back the next week to, to attack him again. Yeah. Like, really, this again? And I know down the road we're going to talk about her a lot, but um, <coughs> the initial incarnation of China I thought was really cool. Yes. It's, it's such a crazy difference. Like, you, may, you mentioned JR making the joke. I think that's a woman. He wouldn't be able to do that nowadays. Nobody would. Like, they couldn't do that with Nyla Rose and AEW. You know? Mm-hmm. But she, in the years to come, she went from this big, ominous, monstrous woman with muscles that were bigger than some of the guys on the roster to a completely another different part. Her face was even different. Like, how much surgery was Vince McMahon willing to pay for to change the way she looked? Yeah, I was a, I was a China fan. 
And I mean, like Aaron said, we'll talk about it in the future, but I was definitely a China fan all the way up through probably post DX after that. Right. But yeah, her with Sean and Hunter. Oh, it's great. It's great. Excellent. Yeah. Like, like, like these two guys that think and present themselves as being like thinking they're the baddest guys in the fucking world, you know? But both of them being like, eh. We can say what we want to say, but this chick right here, she's 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 a badder ass than both of us. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, Bret Hart, you're a piece of shit. You're a pussy. or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, Ken Shamrock, fuck you. But they're hiding behind China because they know she's a fucking badass. You know right. what I mean? Yep. Um, the next, unless you guys have anything about anything, you have any, yeah, unless you guys have anything you want to say about that. Nope. Um, the next thing <sighs> is Vader fucking up a promo worse than what I just tried to fuck up this segue into his promo. It's Vader with Paul Bearer talking about the fatal four-way that's coming up, and he talks about Shawn Michaels, and he, then he talks about Sid, then he talks about The Undertaker, because now he's talking about the match, and then he says some other shit, and he tries to say that um, something about Bret Hart being Canadian, and um, Steve Austin having a gator butt. <laughs> but what he says is, Bret Hart, you're talking about your Canadian gator butt. Canadian gator butt. Canadian. He, he, like, he tries to say... I don't know. Basically, and then he says, Bret Hart, and he calls him a Canardian. And then he says, Steve Austin, Gator Butt. And he's like, what I mean is that Bret Hart has a canary mouth. And Steve Austin can't back up his Gator Butt. <laughs> what I meant to say was... <laughs> See what had happened was, and then he's just like Vader time, and then he leaves. It's terrible. What was the point of putting him with Paul Bear? Paul Bear was going to cut like ninety percent of the promos. But yeah, he says Canadian, Canadier. It's all over the fucking place. I just love, I, I don't know why, but I love that he says stuff that doesn't make any sense and then says what I meant to say and then proceeds to say something else that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brett has a canary mouth and Steve has a gator butt. <laughs> there's, the, there's the name of your episode, canary mouth and gator butt. <laughs> gator butt. I have no idea. And then those fat fucks, they, they just walk away. 
I was like, all right, Vader time. See you later. <laughs> and then we roll into our next match, which is a tag team match. And it's Doug Furness and Philip LaFon versus the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Those two teams always had fantastic matches. They always have fantastic matches, but they always have fantastic matches, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, we have watched these guys wrestle. We have watched these four guys wrestle so goddamn much. Mm-hmm. And I, I get, at this point, you've given up all hope that Furnace and LaFont are ever going to win the title. They're never going to win. Right. They're going to win. Right. It's just so, like, I feel like we're in April now, and I feel like every show that I've done for the year that was, 1997, I have written a review of a Doug Furness Philip LaFon versus British Bulldog Owen Hart match mm-hmm. on every goddamn show. And it's since November good. when they debuted... Since November, when Furnace LaFond debuted, it's been them versus Owen and Bulldog because there was really nobody else on the roster that I think Vince trusted to put them in the ring with. But this fucking match happens every goddamn week, and it's basically the same result. Either Philip LaFond lose because they slip on the banana peel, or there's some kind of DQ. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's a DQ. This right. one's funny, though, because um, it's one of my favorite. Um, these guys didn't know it was going to happen. Things that happened. Um,. They lose by DQ and Bulldog and Owen are yelling at each other after the match because they're doing the, they're doing the, are Bulldog and Owen going to split, you know? Right, right, right. And, and Owen has his slammies and he puts his slammy down and Bulldog kind of like <laughs> picks it up and he's like, I don't care about your slammy. And then he throws it down and guess what happens? Slammy breaks. The slammy snaps in half. And Owen's just is like, what the hell? <laughs> he broke my slammy. <sighs> like he's not even mad anymore that Bulldog's mad that they lost the match. Owen is immediately like, Yeah, I broke my slammy. <laughs> so funny to me. Bulldog's like, I don't give a shit about your statue. We lost this match. And Owen's like, Yeah, I broke my slammy, asshole. And he's just so heartbroken that his slammy has been snapped in half. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Too like, entire, like, in Owen's mind, the entire argument has changed now. Yes, <laughs> you broke my trophy. Yeah, we didn't lose this match. I, I, we did lose this match, and we're arguing about that. But I don't give a shit about that now. You broke my prize possession. <laughs> You broke my goddamn slammy in half. And it's so fucking funny. That dude is probably the... 
I don't want to say he's the second. He he's he's the he's the because Bobby Heenan's the funniest. Okay, right. I put Bobby Heenan out of funny. I put Bobby Heenan over Owen. Like Bobby Heenan's like the like the Michael Jordan of funny and wrestling. Owen's got to be like. Like A one or A B with Fred Blassie, in my opinion, of just the funniest goddamn motherfucker that's ever existed in the fucking professional wrestling business. Just the quickest wit, just super fucking funny. Like that slammy breaking in half. He's just a me. Like most people would be like, I don't know what to do with that, you know. But he just immediately knew what to fucking do with it. Mm-hmm. He was even he was even funny what do I want to say? Like he would even take something that wasn't supposed to be funny and because because he was so funny, he would intentionally make it funny. Like you knew you know that he knew that it was funny that he was trying to be like an aggressive badass when he was with the nation of domination. You know? He knew it was funny for him to go, Enough is enough, it's time for a change. Yeah, when when um Ken Shamrock, I think it's Ken Shamrock. Is it Ken Shamrock? Yeah, Ken Shamrock beats up Rocky Maivia on something, and like Mark Henry and Kamu Mustafa and Dilo Brown are like, "Oh, help him, help him!" Owen Hart stands up and goes, "Somebody help this brother out." Somebody help this brother out. It's fucking funny. And if anybody else stood up and just said, somebody help this brother out. It wouldn't be funny, but it's right. fun. And it's right. great. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if anybody else, if, if that statue would have busted in half, nobody else would have Nobody else in the wrestling industry at that time would have said in their mind, okay, this fucking statue broke. I'm going to fucking improvise on this shit. And now that's my big complaint. They would right. have it up and held it aside and been like, we're supposed to be arguing about our tag team losing. Mm-hmm. Owen in that moment was like, fuck it. The statue broke. We're going to... <laughs> Yeah, me make me making it about that is gold, Jerry. It's gold. Yeah, it's gold. And he knew it. Like one of my favorite things with Owen Hart is when he won his first slammy. And he stood up and he and he accepted it. I don't even remember what he got. Uh, did he get it for knocking out Shawn Michaels? Yes. Yes. And he, and he stood up picked up his slammy and he was like screw you Brett you know and Brett's looking at him and he goes and I did this and I did this and and I did it with no support from you or anybody and and he's just yelling to his entire family like Stu sitting at the table Helen sitting at the table Fucking Diana, fucking Lady Brett, they're all sitting at the table, and he's like, "I, 
the lady before. I got this with no help from any of you. And he's just yelling at his entire family. It's so funny. And they're all laughing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not? And he's just like, I did this with no support from any of you. You all suck. And he's just yelling at all of them. It's fucking gold. I love it. But anyway, this wasn't an Owen Hart show. This is a, a Final Four show. But it's um, your show. You can make it about whatever you want. Yeah. Hopefully it's not boring. Um, I'm not bored. I'm laughing. Okay. Doc Hendricks then interviews The Undertaker, and he cuts the um, quintessential Undertaker promo. Just rest in peace, da-da-da-da-da. And then we're moving into the meat and potatoes of this pay-per-view and it's a great fucking match. It's a really good fucking match, guys. I don't know if you guys watched this show leading into this. I I, I did not leading into this, but I have watched the show recently. Okay, it's, the last it's time I watched it was about a month ago. So I do remember it. All right. It's a fatal four-way match. It's Big Van Vader versus Bret Hart versus Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. It's pinfall or over the top rope. That's the only thing that I could critique as being kind of stupid about the match. Like I don't well, like the over the top rope thing. Well, I I can justify it though because you're you're doing the fight the final four from the Royal Rumble, so okay. it makes sense in that context for it to be a part of it. You know, and I understand that, right. and and that that's the and I'm not knocking it. That's just my only critique of eh. I I, I kind of don't dig that part of it, mm-hmm. just because I think if you're gonna. I can understand if you're going to go into a match of, okay, you're going to be facing the champion and you put a guy over the belt and then you win. Cool. But if you're going to be the champ, I think you should have to pin somebody or make him submit. Right. I I agree. I agree. Or at least if they would have made it, okay, when it's four people in the ring, Okay, you want to have the over-the-top rope, that's fine. When we got down to the final two, it should have been only pinfall or submission. Yeah, Because like it made no sense to throw somebody over the top. You know, okay, you're the world champion, you just threw him over the top rope, thanks. You know. That's my, that's my only... That's like my only negative of this match. Um, Vader gets his fucking eye fucked up Basically, again. right again, again, it's just I fucked up. And as a kid, I thought I remembered him getting taken out earlier because of it. No, he's in there for a long time, for a long goddamn time. So in my notes, I put in, like I said, I remembered in my mind, Vader got his eye fucked up, and that wound up on the cover of a Raw magazine, right, Nate? Yes. Okay, and my mind, 
I, I, like I said, I remember, oh, Vader got fucked up and taken out. No, he did not. Leon White held it together and got in that fucking match for a very, very long time. And I would say, to me, and that makes my opinion of the VIP of this fucking goddamn, or the MVP, sorry, VIP, the MVP of this entire fucking pay-per-view is Leon White. Yeah, he very easily he very, he very easily could have said you know because if that shit happened to me I'd be like oh cool. yeah he very he very oh. easily could have said pin me <laughs> just throw me yeah. over right. fuck that shit but he fucking held on and it wasn't even it wasn't even like held on and just went through the motions like Leon White was just like we got this match <laughs> and and did everything that he was supposed to do in it. Um, he just did great in it, in my opinion. He did. He did. And anything else on Vader? No, no. The other thing that happened in this match that you don't see in wrestling anymore is when they would go to the fucking hard cam. I don't believe that WWF did it intentionally. I think, honestly, they would really do, like, it would really happen that that hard cam would be there and those people, like, the people in in the arena were so into it. Guess what the camera was doing? It was shaking. It was fucking shaking. Oh, yeah. Those people were up and just were like, God damn, this is great. And they were jumping up and down shit. Like, tell me a match that you've seen in the WWE in the last 15 years where the goddamn hard cam was shaking. The only match that I can point to would be Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. Right. That's it. Right. I mean, one match in 15 years. So, yeah. <laughs> like, this this Fatal 4-Away was a fucking fantastic goddamn match. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, the only thing that, that threw me was Brett Dump, what was it, Taker? I think you dumped Taker, yep. right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I watched it like four or five days ago, and I have fucking, uh, what do you call it? I don't have a good memory. I forgot what you'd call where you don't have a good memory. <laughs> my fucking memory is. Um, Brett dumps out Taker, and then he's the new champ. That's the, like I said, that's the only fucking thing I don't like about it is like, oh, he dumped him out, and now he's the champ. Right. And, and I see and what you. I see what I see what you're saying. To be the champion, you should have to pin somebody to do it. Yeah. Um, pin and or I, submit them. Yeah, and I understand that. Okay, we don't want Taker to get pinned or whatever. I understand that. It, it, it's kind of like the old fucking WWF cage match thing where 
in NWA or Mid-South, you know, you had to pin the guy inside the cage, but in the WWF, you escape it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, okay, well, the, the guy escaped the cage, but he didn't get pinned, so whatever. I don't understand that aspect of it, but it's like, eh, if you're going to be the champ, you have to, you should have to pin or submit somebody. But anyway, Brett dumps out um, Taker, and he's the new champ, (coughs) and then Sid comes out and confronts him, and that is how In Your House goes off the air, and now... After the Thanksgiving break, we're about to go into what I believe is one of my brother's favorite Raws of all time. Yes, it is. It is a pretty good Raw. It's a fantastic. We're about to know. We're we're about to go into other than the (laughs) other than the um uh. The Berlin Raw hasn't happened yet, has it? I don't no. believe so. Okay. We're about to go into, other than that Raw from Germany, we're about to go into one of my favorite probably month and a half stretches of that show. Like, and, and I won't spoil anything for those of you that don't know or those of you that are listening along and want to keep it, you know, week to week. But we're about to go into... Where, and Aaron and I have discussed this before, WWE, WWF, they just start throwing shit against the wall. And it's insanity, and it's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch the evolution into Raw is War. And the creative gets kind of crazy, and the title changes. And it really became a time and a, a place that, to me, I don't know that it could ever be recreated. Oh, and. And it's it's just so, as a wrestling fan back then, especially for younger people that listen to our shows, as a wrestling fan back in 1997, it, it was, it was just, it was, it was like nothing you'd ever seen before. You were just, it was like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> and, and, and you know what's funny about it, Nate? What's that? This is a time when I was in junior high. Okay. I was in junior high school. I was in junior high school, and now I'm watching fucking Raw and Nitro at like seven or eight o'clock in the fucking evening, and I am recording it on a VHS tape. <laughs> yep. And then I'm just sitting there waiting for fucking Nate. Come rolling down the block in his fucking goddamn LeBaron or whatever. My Buick Skylark. His <laughs> Buick Skylark from Music Town. And he'd pull up at like nine o'clock. Be like, what's up, man? Be like, you don't know what the fuck is up. <laughs> this shit was insane. <laughs> fucking Vader showed up. Or. Or goddamn, fucking they have pyro now. It's like I don't know Brett, what the fuck is going on. Bret Hart said shit on Raw. Yeah, Bret said shit on Raw. <laughs> and then Nate's like, "Don't spoil it." I'm like, "Don't fucking tell me what to do. Watch it." 
<laughs> now the fucking nineteen ninety. Okay, uh, and I know we talked bad about the Attitude Era, which I love the Attitude Era. I'm a fan of the Attitude Era, <laughs> and I know like people say, oh, hindsight, it's not the best. I enjoy it. Okay, like I love watching fucking Attitude Era WWF and WCW, but the greatest. And, and and there will be people that can say different, but it's all about, it's all subjective about like when you grew up. You know what yep. I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Like like there will be people that say, "Oh, the seventies with like Dusty Rhodes and Florida or whatever that was fantastic." And yeah, I'm I was sure about to say our 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 friend Barry Rose. You know, he grew up in Florida in the sixties and seventies and early eighties and. That's his shit, you know, and that that I, I gotta respect that because wrestling fans, I think wrestling fans that you should be able to love what you love, you know, and, and you should. And I watch like like right now, I'm in the middle of night, I'm in the middle of 1988, um, NWA, and it's fantastic. Okay, like Dusty and the Horseman, and Lex Luger, and all that shit. It's fun to watch, but to me. The most entertaining goddamn wrestling I've ever seen in my entire life is fucking 1996 to when um, Steve um, stuns Sean and then he gets hit by Mike Tyson. That's the most goddamn exciting wrestling I've ever seen in my life. It's fucking great. And that's why I picked 97 to talk about first on here. It's just because this is the capsule of my favorite time to be a fucking wrestling fan. It's great. Same. Same. So that's the show, bitches. (laughs) I like that for an ending. I might steal that. Um, seriously though, but anyway, guys, um, Bret Hart is now our new WWF champion and we will be rolling into, um, sorry, we will be rolling into the next Monday night, which will be Monday 17th. So April 17th, 1997, we will be watching... WWF Raw, which will be headlined right now by Bret Hart versus versus uh, Psycho Sid for the WWF Championship and whatever Nitro has going on. Um, this will obviously be happening after the Thanksgiving break because I'm assuming, guys, we're not recording anything on Thanksgiving. Nope. <laughs> and, I liked it. Alright. Um I Can I just give a, a quick spoiler alert about the role that we're gonna watch coming up? Sure. Shawn Michaels comes back with a smile intact and he beats Brent for the title. Archie's wrong. <laughs> exactly. You can let them tune in and find out though, Nate. Yes. Yes. I could have, but I didn't. Um, you just cost Aaron like 25 viewers. 
I'd be like, what was our team telling the truth? What's going on here? I'm sabotaging the ratings already. <laughs> um, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Going forward after the Thanksgiving break for um, the next thing we're going to talk about on uh, We Can't Wrestle? Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you guys think about reviewing a Starcade? Which Starcade? I I'd like Starcade. I'd be down with that. How do you guys feel about reviewing Starcade 1987? I'm good with it. I, I'm good with that. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Bitches, thank you for listening to the year that was dot 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 1997 and look forward to us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast reviewing Starcade 1987. And if you haven't listened yet, listen to the recent episode. Of Reliving the Extreme, which is entitled Dot Dot Dot. All right. All right. Now, I went. Honestly, Nate, the most edited Reliving the Extreme episode I've ever heard in my life. You think so? Shit out of that. Now, I I have a qualm here. I went into that show after seeing the title. And I thought it was going to be about Matthew McConaughey. But then I went and no. I listened to it and it wasn't. And I realized it wasn't well, all right, all right, all right. No, it was just my bad, right. but all right. Nate edited the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> you couldn't tell, though. It was my bad. You know what no, no. Was. I just know what it was. And I know <laughs> what it came out as. And I was like, you can't the fuck out of this thing. Well, stop making such brutally crazy jokes and you won't have to. Or <laughs> do what I do with my show. Don't tell him there needs to be any editing if he won't listen beforehand. And yeah, the problem with reli- the problem with reliving the extreme though is I'm actually there when you're the it, it, so I know. Yeah. Just looking you at him. Right, right. <laughs> oh, okay. But anyway, well, you, like I said, you could learn guys, to edit. Oh, sorry. I said you could learn to edit, and then you could beat him to the punch. But like I said, guys, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> um, we're going to punch back into the fucking 1997 after the Thanksgiving break, and I appreciate you guys listening, and I appreciate everybody listening in the future. So, And I want to thank Arch and Nate for sitting through this fucking thing with me so I appreciate you guys thank you yes Albeter Zane everybody <laughs>